All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X-T-R-E-M-E media.ie. All Things Techie Podcast, brought to you by two tech junkies, Justin Dawson and Simon Lang. For more, visit www.allthingstech.ie for all things techie. It's the All Things Techie Podcast, episode 19, the Christmas slash sort of New Year special. Uh, Simon's in a brand new location because this is Simon's new house and um, if we tilt Simon's camera up a bit, I don't, we, we have to comment on this groovy picture that Simon said came with the house, um, which is a monkey reading a newspaper upside down. And we were trying to figure out what is actually on the box. Answer is on a postcard to the All Things Techie podcast because we have no idea what it is. No, there's, there's a few uh, letters missing because of the monkey's legs. So. None likely. Someone would probably just go, that means that, Simon. Duh. <laughs> or, or someone would probably say that we're racist individuals because we have a monkey reading a newspaper on our podcast. Uh, the, the animal rights, I can I see animal rights associations like after snake, Simon. <laughs> no, please not. Please, please don't. You know, we don't have enough money to, uh, to fund any slander or defamation. Um, incidents on this program do we so we, lo- we love monkeys on this program that's that's what yep. we'll do. yeah um, we'll not, yeah well talking about bunch of monkeys well uh, we'll, we'll lead with our first um topic of the program which is printer gate and now for all our listeners if they haven't been following this um our Irish politicians like to spend money on unnecessary on a lot of things where where they think it was necessary. How how do we explain this? Okay, how much is a printer usually uh, to buy in a, in in a normal PC shop, Simon? About one hundred, two hundred euro? No, not even two hundred. It's you probably mean, better. A hundred, a hundred euros, you could get a cheap printer. Yeah. Okay. So spending nearly uh, over a million and a half on a printer has to raise some eyebrows. But it seems like, once more, Irish politicians have swept it under the rug. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Yeah, yeah. this was um, back in, like, a year ago. It started, but it only comes to light this year. And this is, this is the key thing. Once again, it's, it's swept under the rug. And like you say, how, how, how does this actually make the papers? Or how, how does it come up a year later? Is someone just going through... The accountant, one of the accountants, going through the books and going, "You spent how much on a printer?" Yeah, there's a there's a political, I think, is it audit committee? I think they're called a PAV, yeah, a public accounts committee. Apologies, and um, they were the ones doing a fact finding mission, and this is how they discovered it. Now, I have to say, Simon, this printer is not like your normal inkjet printer. Like we're gonna actually take the photo and put it up courtesy of photo of RTE News. Uh, staff are understand to be seeking additional payment to be trained even to use the printer. Forget the million and a half that's been blown on this, right? The cost of a new controversial Dole printer, with Dole is the Irish government by the way, uh, plus the installation and other associated costs came to a total of not a million and a half but 1.8 million according to a new report. The report compiled by the Public Accounts Committee, as Simon was saying, by the, the clerk of the Dáil, Peter Finnegan, and seen by the Irish Times, has uh, led to a lot of questions. The report found that companies that supplied the printer had to recommend a ceiling height in excess of the available in the room to tender its documents. Now, this thing looks like an absolute beast. It's like something that you would see like the monolith out of, like, <laughs> so yeah, I and I think it's kind of like something you might give in um, like not quite a newspaper printing, but probably someone who's commercial printing, uh, a, a printing company. But I'm kind of going, what does the doll need it for? Because it does list in the in an article the kind of stuff they use it for, of things like printing letterheads, 
um, printing dull and political related documents and flyers and leaflets. Like, do you need a printer that big for all that? I, I do wonder. Let's even say that the billboards that go up during election purposes, is that like about an A0 size in print? Probably. Something now, like that, yeah. Like that. A1, A0. Now, if, if, if we went into a, an Irish printing, I, I, I remember I used to do a lot of uh, postal shipping in my old days as a teenager, and they had a couple of photocopying machines and stuff like that, but... We didn't. We weren't able to print an A zero. But you go into one of our well-known printing companies. I'm going to name them here. Reads right to print A zero, and I I say that to print a page in A zero can will cost you no more than a hundred euro. So if you multiply that by even a thousand per politician, sure. Hold on a minute. Like let's 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 just rewind a bit here, Simon. Like and. We can't even justify this on an election purposes because each political party has their own sponsorship and own funding. So why would they be going to the door printer? Yeah. Yeah, I think like the political posters and all like that are done out of campaign funds. So we yeah. probably exclude those. But day-to-day printing of letters and letterhead. Anyway, how many letters do people send out? It's usually by email now. Less the government is still um, in the paper killing in the industry, where or the tree killing industry. I mean, not paper killing, and um, printing on paper. So why have they kind of gone electronic as well? So it's kind of going. What's the need for all of this? Exactly. This is like we voted in the Green Party a lot in the last elections. How are the Green Party? Who are very environmentally friendly? If you don't know what Green Party is, it's sort of in the name. They must be jumping up and down about this. Hmm. I agree. And like when you see the figures being thrown around, like one point two for this, one point three for okay. that. It's, actually broken, it's broken out down into five lots. Okay, let's let's re- list these out to our listeners. A plate making device contract signed between Graphic and Paper Merchants Ireland on. June the 11th, 2018, for 105,000, excluding VAT. Excluding VAT, 105,000. Lot two is a printing press contract signed between Komori UK Limited on May the 31st, 2018, for 808,000, excluding VAT, which is 848,000 less trade in the price of 40,000. Lot three was folding machines contract signed by Portman Graphic limited on May the 31st, 2018, of 100,000. Then it has guillotines contract signed between Portman Graphic Limited on the May 31st for 63,500 euro, excluding that. And lot five, a pile turner contract signed with Portman Graphic Limited on May the 21st, 37,000. Now, Simon, we study audiovisual and we're going to put this in a i'm going to try and link this in with an audiovisual contact uh i concept and if you were doing a big installation with audiovisual capacity you would want to have some going to tender number one so yeah first of all you ask yourself as a public sector uh body they obviously went to t- tender and usually with public sector companies they go for the cheapest price how in the name of god was that the cheapest price number one for a printer number two is you know you when people come in to tender hopefully they're trying to justify instead of just seeing dollar Mm. uh, for this printer and number three is they would think is the end user going to and proper concept we talk about in audiovisual is, is the end user going to be able to use this? I look at this monstrosity of a printer and go, even I wouldn't know how to use this thing. And the fact that they're being actually asked to, they have to train people more. And I understand new machines need a little bit of training, but the fact you have to, they're actually asking for money, more money on top of that to be trained to use these printers. It's kind of going, so what was there beforehand? Did they, are they replacing something that's so old? It, 
these this is totally revolutionary or was it that the the people this is a whole new role so these are new people being trained so then why didn't i hire the bright people yeah or why did, why didn't they just outsource this if 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 it's coming to this big uh cost and surely it was outsourced beforehand mm. But you see the bit about it is also that the machine couldn't fit in because this is where it all happened. So they had to store it in an industrial unit on the, I think it's the, the south side of yeah. Dublin at two grand a month for <laughs> nearly a year as well. So so someone had to pay to just leave this sit here and wait until they could get, build, fix the building to fit it in. We need to remind our listeners that this isn't the first time things like this has happened with Irish government. In the past, we have electric voting systems that never got used, that got stored, like Simon has mentioned, in a in, in a storage capacity. And then because the operation system fell out of date, um, they were sort of pushed aside and brushed under the rug as well. Uh, even before that, Simon, I, I think the, the most funniest one that we ever had, but actually wasn't government funded, but national lottery funded, was the time in the slime, the digital clock countdown to the millennium. Oh, yes, I, I only remember seeing that once in my life. And that was the time where they put a big clock with green figures counting down to the 2000 millennium. And uh, they forgot things like the river is dirty. Yeah. Um, they, there's stuff. There's boats go up and down the river, so they keep removing it. So, and then they have to keep cleaning it because the river was so dirty. And the reason they took it out was apparently that it started running slowly, counting down the seconds to the millennium. So, but, okay. Yes, um, but you know, you you do wonder, like in today's society, like we're we're 19 years on from the millennium, um, nearly 20 years on um, from the millennium. If they did something like that now, with the technology that we have in LED lights and um, better technology than 20 years ago nearly, what could they do now? That was, yeah. yeah. Mm. And, and I kind of, yeah, kind of wonder, yeah, like just because... We're just projecting back fact. onto the water. That's what, what yeah. I thought. <laughs> yeah, from a high building, projection map onto the water in the Liffey. And, it, and then... It's dirty enough yeah. ways to get to get a, a clear image. Yeah, exactly. So it won't matter if it's a little bit fuzzy. <laughs> yeah, it just blend the water. Yeah. Um, so we're we're asking our listeners: Have they heard of anything so bizarre as money being spent unnecessarily, and not even with the Irish government? But um, and even if you're a company like that, how can you justify turning around to a a building that doesn't have the size of capacity or the training to to use these printers and and sell them this i i think i think that's i just believe that's wrong yeah exactly and like it's just wasting money that's already in scarce supply and they're they're trying to make ends meet they say um and there's people out there homeless and all this kind of stuff and they're, they're more worried about spending this money on a printer. Now, talking about state and moving on, nicely linked to our next topic of doing it for the state. I've never actually heard this expression before, but it's, apparently it's a college expression. Bizarre story, uh, 10th of December 2019 uh, in the papers. A social media influencer has been sentenced to 14 years in prison over the plot to obtain a domain name at gunpoint. Rossi Lotero Adams II, 27, only 27 years of age, built up more than a million viewers by posting videos of partying Iowa State University students on his website, doitforthestate.com. He then planned to expand his empire by buying the domain, doitforthestate.com, but two years later, the owner refused to sell it to him. In June 2017, Adams drove to his cousin Sherman Hopkins Jr., to the home of the domain owner in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, the men found the address to the web hosting company on GoDaddy's registration records, which shows just how important that if you have a domain name to mask where you live on it and have your privacy settings correct. So he drives to the house, holds the guy at gunpoint, wanting him... Shoots him. Shoots him. Oh, shoots him. I forgot about him. Yeah. And gets shot in the process. 
and uh, just 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 for a domain name, it's been ordered to be paid the court twenty two thousand dollars. Like, I'm sorry, but if if someone was to actually make up this story, I would I would be thinking that what's the likelihood of anyone ever being held at gunpoint for a domain name? And the only thing I can come to mind is pornography. Yeah. And... Okay. Yeah, those kind of things. They they kind of no one say they're seedy. Yeah. So they're already they're already seedy, and then so you're like, unless you you have this website for a major gun running company or something like that. Yeah, I, I can't really imagine anyone chasing me down for any of the domains I have responsibility for. Um, and yeah, so just to, just to reiterate, what domains you might have under your control? Church domains. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The church and, and religious organizations. So yeah, it's not like I have um, anything of high value to anyone. <laughs> and, and the same with me. Like all, all we have is allthingstech.ie for all things techie. Um, unless unless someone might come that chasing us down, in which case uh, they're coming to me because it's under my name. Um, uh, yeah, I'm out of here. See you later. Out the window to make sure that there's no one like coming to me at gunpoint. Um, but uh, what a bizarre story! And then I, I tried to think of like some good examples of names that have been registered in the dot com bubble or uh, registrations that people have gone well to get back but haven't gone at gunpoint i think gunpoint this has to be the first story i've ever been shot at or gunpoint do you remember the story of mike rowe who registered microsoft um in one of the domains and he actually was m-i-c-k-r-o-w and i i have a feeling that he was an irish guy i'll have to search that up we'll search that i'll let simon search that up while i, I tell you the story um he, he registered Micro and he sold software and Microsoft took him to court. And I remember a lot of the tech junkies on the on the Internet started gathering together in forums to uh, to to try and fund Mike Rose um, legal case against Microsoft. And I think Microsoft settled out of court by just giving him a load of free operating systems and Microsoft Publisher and Microsoft Office and uh office 365 as, as well we'll we'll have to try and find that and put in the show notes yes i'm just looking here it's um it was back in sorry i think i could read quicker in my head than look simon should learn to read and talk at the same time and yes. uh, 20, all, 20 or 2004. was he an irish guy um not a Canadian student. A Canadian student, but still still with the name Micro, which gave him yeah. the permission to register Microsoft. And um I think I think that was very clever actually. It's just it it nearly goes back to Supermax versus McDonald's um in, in the Irish capacity and Supermax never giving up the fight and now I think can spread their their burgers across Europe now. I don't know how I brought that into talking about food, so I'm... Yeah. yeah. I know. Actually, here's a, just a total random thing. Um, I just had a quick look here to see what is the top three um, most valuable domains in the, in the world, according to Wikipedia. Okay. And it's voice.com, which is, ter- is worth 30 million. Right. 360.com, which is worth 17 million. And uh, something else... Um, we won't talk about is worth 13 million um i just realized after i start talking is a quite is a pornography one and um, I, so, I, I had to i think to myself it, there has to be a pornography one in the top three yeah yeah so the third one is yeah to worth 13 million so it just shows you the, the value of some domains out there 360 i wouldn't think of a like as a much much needed name of a website that. Yeah, I know, and we, we and we try to get our bargain deals of domain for about twenty euros, and you get it for two years or something, and, and people are paying millions and millions for some others. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> Interesting names of sites. Um, 
Christmas topic. We're going to talk about um, Christmas topics now as, as on the run-up to Christmas. Uh, also talking about what tech stuff that you should be really getting for Christmas. Um, have you got, have you actually picked out your technology toy for for the for the Christmas period? I actually don't have one in mind. Wow. I'm I, I actually I'm really bad at picking out presents, and I, I I struggled recently with a birthday just to even find out what I could spend my Amazon vouchers on, and going, do I really need another TV thing? Do I really need another this or that? And in the end, I got some Wi-Fi plugs. And, yeah. uh, wire and wireless chargers for my phone. But that was the most tech I got really um, in a while. So I don't know what else I would like that doesn't cost more than I can afford. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's but, you know, the, the one thing that you did mention to me off mic was about um, Facebook's new camera that can be used on WhatsApp as well. Um, yeah. that is the Facebook Lumi, is it? No, can't think of the name of the, the device now. Um, we've gone as Portal. Portal. Um, I think $150 or so for, for the device. Can, can yeah. With Amazon Alexa, I believe. Uh, but it doesn't, of course, because it's Facebook, it doesn't link in with Google Home yet. I, so... No, and as I say, they're competitors. But yeah, the the portals are the one I was looking at, which is the TV one, which I thought would be, it would be very handy for calling family, and um, that are, that are not here. And being that it's tied into Messenger or WhatsApp, which you can more or less do most things these days with. So I thought there's kind of a cool idea, but um, just not uh, in the budget this year. Yeah. No. I, I would I think we both have Google Home devices, so I mean I would I would love if um Google Home was linked in with a couple of more live streams. Like I I I think I'm right in saying that Google Home won't open up like a Google Meet and with a webcam or anything like that if you were trying to No, I see they don't have their own it's not like it, they don't have their own proprietary kind of um Device, yes, yeah. Device, so yeah. so then so that's what you're kind of because um, it can't link into anything. So yeah, it's like if they bought a drone, it's but it's the same in corporate environments. It's not just in home domestic. In yeah. corporate environments, there's very few things that tie into Google Meet as well. So you're yeah. kind of stuck. Yeah, stuck that, with both. Do, you, do you see Google being used more in or uh, most places? Places have gone down the Zoom route now. I think. Yeah, now it depends on your, I suppose, your ecosystem and your work, all right. Because, um, like, I, where I work is a Google environment. So we're, of course, tied into all the stuff that goes with that. But then there's loads of companies out there that are Teams mm. and, and Zoom. So they they seem to be kind of like the three big players at the moment. But I would say Zoom and um, Teams is bigger yeah. than Google Meet for, for calls. I have to say, I, I have to admit, I have not played around with Teams yet. Have you played around with Teams? I've had a little bit, but not very much. Because, yeah. yeah, you have to be in that kind of um, Office 365, um, Outlook, online kind of environment. It's, it's something that I would love at the next ISE to, to play around with Microsoft Teams. And So call out to all the Microsoft people that are going to be at ISE. Um, yeah, you can show me Microsoft Teams. I have to. Yeah. But I did hear. I did hear recently. Uh, Logitech seem to be the ones that are kind of bridging a lot they of these spaces. Yeah. They, they have. They have a new. Um, I think. Uh, they have one called like a meeting hub or something. They call or something like that, which kind of is a pat. It's a tablet, and it's a box. I think and a camera and stuff like that. I have so seen I think, Logitech come on leaps and bounds in the past two ISEs that I've been at. I I I really think they're going to be. A competitor in the market they're really pushing and i think what makes it them so good is a lot of their stuff is plug and play it just works off the straightforward windows and, and mac drivers yeah so you don't have to have anything special to make them work they just work they, they yeah exactly well we're sort of go, going off on our christmas to ise but let's rewind a bit and this is a great topic that actually the bbc brought up and I'm going to steal for the podcast as well. Sorry, thank you, BBC. 
Should children be watching videos of unboxing toys on YouTube? I oh my goodness, the amount of time yeah. kids spend watching these is unbelievable. But it's, like, it's, it's, it's crazy, you know, like it's taking the Irish version of the Late Late Toy Show. And actually, there was a great little um, cartoon image, I think, in the Irish Times, just a couple of days before the Late Late Toy Show. Late Late Toy Show is... Late Late is one of our Irish uh, talk shows that's on a Friday night. And then every year, uh, there has been a toy show where they just open up toys. And I have to say, very good toy show this year. But the cartoon image was... Mummy and Daddy watching the Late Late Toy Show while all the kids were on their iPads and smart devices or, or playing um, Fortnite. One was saying, I want to play Fortnite. The other one was on their iPad. And it's just like, is the Late Late Toy Show for Mummy and Daddy? And, you know, usually it is. But, you no, know, sometimes the kids get ideas. But it's taken the idea of the Late Late Toy Show here in Ireland and brought it to a new level because it's kids unboxing toys. And I think the kids like it because they're going, wow, look how many hits I have. And the parents mm. like it because they're getting free toys as well. Yeah. But you see, you'd see the one about the, in that article, it talks about an eight-year-old, um, not sorry, the original person, the, the first child to start doing it in the US 2015. Like mm. he started unboxing stuff. And now he's they're earning approximately seventeen million pounds per year in partnership deals. Yeah, uh, there is one. I, I, I maybe it is this guy Ryan Cagey. When I went into Smith's Toys, as a big Irish toy shop in in Ireland, I think this guy has his own marketing brand of toys that you know stick his name on it, and it's a a toy car and and whatnot. You know, it's, 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 it's sort of like taking away from the VTech or any of the other uh, toys that you might go into to buy in in a, a normal toy shop. But just because it has his name on it, it's, it's adding any value to it. Yeah, and I suppose if you're a person who sells toys, of course, you, that's your job. You want to upsell it in some way to make it even more um, financially beneficial to you. So... If it costs paying this guy for the use of his image, then I would, I think if it was a toy manufacturer, I'd be jumping on it. So it does make sense. Yeah. But when you see the videos, like, I mean, there's not just some, there's hundreds of videos. And they're actually, what I, I think is surprising, they're actually on YouTube Kids. Yeah. Is, you know, that's where they're catching them all because the it's, kids are using that and watching it. Like, I've seen my niece sitting goggle-eyed for hours watching another kid on the iPad watching another kid playing with toys and it's or like building, or building Lego building watching them build Lego. Lego instead of just doing it yourself yeah or, or like it could be my youngest niece and her older sister in the room and one could be playing with toys on the other side of the room and the other one is actually watching a child in a video playing with Lego, where there's Lego in the room with her. I, I, it's, it's bizarre. <laughs> I, I just wonder, is there something psychological about it? You know, more than actual kind of like, I, like, you know, you, like, is there something that we used to get when we played with toys? They're getting the same stimulus, stimuli or whatever from watching the kid undo it, unbox it or between unboxing and like you said you mentioned the figures there in, in how much these children are worth or how much the families are worth between that and kids playing video games and streaming it either live or on youtube as on demand i remember back in the day when i used to play computer games and maybe you can relate to this as well so i'm is you would buy a magazine because it might have the cheat codes of how to get you to the next level on the computer game. Mm. Nowadays, kids are just watching for the sake of, wow, that kid did an amazing move in, let's say, Fortnite. I, I love to know how to do that as well. But it's not showing you. It's not a how-to video. It's just literally showing other people 
playing the game. And then people yeah. donate money to keep the streams alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and they're probably I'm actually the toy companies. Here, you know? Like, yeah, like when you look at this article, like this lists loads of families that are doing it. Like, like that boy Ryan having like millions of billions of views of a video he did. He so and then you see another one here is of a boy dressed as a Spider Man and rapping and sending a toy car has been viewed 276 million times. That, 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 but. What about this girl? Uh, we've put the links up on our show notes. Eight-year-old Ava, who lives in Leicester, is hoping to emulate uh, Ryan's success. She started her YouTube channel, Ava's Toy Show, when she was three. What What parents put their two-year-old child on, on the internet? Uh, a video showing her unboxing and playing with the Barbie house has had 8.6 million views. But one thing that I do like is Ava decides which toys to play with, and then she donates the others uh, to charity. Um, but I, I love to know like how families will go about saying, "Hold on a minute, toy shop. I want free stuff, and I'm going to unbox it and, and tell you about it." And or is it, or is it maybe the toy companies are actually troll, trolling YouTube? for the ones that are being influential and basically gone will give you the toys, I think is probably more than toy shops, maybe. I might be wrong. Hmm. I'd, actually, I'd just going down that article, there's a picture at the bottom and it's called Ryan's World, Ryan Kelty, and I've seen his stuff in, in Smith's Toys shop, um, and he has his own branding and everything now. It's, it's crazy. Um, yeah, listeners, tell us what you think. We better give out our contact details. You can visit our website at www.allthingstech.ie. Simon's at, at Simon Lang AV, just so he, we, we try and remind Simon of his, his Twitter handle in every podcast. Um, I'm at Justin Ordos, and we would love to hear your thoughts of this. Even whether you're technical or, or not, would you put your child up? unboxing t toys if let's say a company was handing you over toys personally i wouldn't simon and i know why i have a, a toddler and um, but i if someone was sending me audiovisual equipment and technology as an adult i would love to be unboxing and giving my thoughts on technology kids doing this i just think it's wrong yeah there's an interesting new uh new idea unboxing of av equipment live yes we we can do that. We can do that. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to get in contact with us, whether you're any major or minor or just starting off companies, Simon and I will gladly unbox stuff and give you our personal thoughts on uh, on that. So get, let us know www.allteenstech.ie. Talking about games and like I don't know, Simon. When when was the last time you played video games? It's it's been it's no. been off me. I got to say, I don't play. I don't play like an Xbox or any of those kind of ones. The only thing I play is like a like a sim simulation one of the Simpsons. So that's the only you one I've played, play. and the, I'm playing that now about seven to eight years. So Simpsons that's probably yeah, yeah. So that's probably the only thing I am playing, um, long term or ever. And I tried like the Harry Potter one, but I just lost interest. Well, so, I do, yeah, I I have to say that like. Uh, little on Aldi here in Ireland were selling like the retro devices, you know, like the small little Nintendos and one had a Sega Master System um, that had something like two or three hundred games of the old retro games for 60 euro or 70 euro. Still, I couldn't justify spending 70 euro. If someone wanted to buy me one as a Christmas present, that'd be awesome and I would have plugged it into my TV and played, played games all over Christmas. But I do like what Google are coming out with, which is the Google Stadia. Um, and I have, to, I have to say, this looks like it's going to be the new way of playing games. It's literally, it looks like an Xbox console. Um, controller. Controller. It does look like the Xbox controller, I have to think. And I'm sure Microsoft might be coming after Google about that. Um, Plug it in with your Chromecast, and then you can 
literally play any streaming game. So you can go from your mobile phone or Android device or whatever it is to playing on your TV with the controllers. Any size with the Chromecast, multi-switchable, but people have been asking and um, technology junkies have been saying that can Wi-Fi and streaming control a game in, in at fast enough speed? I, I don't know, have we got fast enough speed for playing games online in a... In a yeah. Because like you've noticed, like everything you kind of read has this kind of little notes beside it saying this is dependent on on your speed. This is dependent on on this on your TV. Can you because like it talks about having um 4K HDR, uh 60 frames per second, like 5.1 surround sound, um capabilities, all this kind of stuff. But if you don't have any of those actual hardware in your house, what's mm. the doesn't really matter. So like I don't have a 4K TV, so. I mean, that means I'm not going to be able to have 4K resolution, of course, in the games if I was playing it and things like that. So it just shows you it it is all dependent on your Wi-Fi, your TV, and your own hardware. It does go back to the point that because of streaming, yet again, anyone could log in and just watch this game. And it's taking the whole streaming on YouTube or Facebook of playing Fortnite or any of these games to a new level of Google's just going to start buying into other video games and saying, and, but I do like the idea that it doesn't cost to have a console then. It just, now whether they're going to start costing for the, for being a subscriber to Google Stadia or how it works, it's, it's still yet to be seen. I think it's in its infancy. At this moment, yeah, because at the moment here on their website, when you look at it, it just talks about buying the controller. But mm-hmm. yeah, yes, I'm curious to see what the Stadia, to access Stadia, what it actually requires, um, yeah. and yeah, and what, yeah, like, are you expected to pay a monthly fee or whatever the case may be? But I, I do like the idea that you know, even if it was a monthly fee, if a child got interested in playing video games, you could sign them up for a month, and if they didn't like it, you haven't spent three or four hundred euro on a, a console. Kind of like a Netflix subscription, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I like if if the internet comes to speeds, um, I think I, I, I can see this catching on. Um, here's a good one. What has been the console that has absolutely flopped? in in your lifetime and i can think of two the nintendo wii i think was the biggest flop and really never caught on and the other one that i don't know what you remember but i'm going really retro here and see does any of the listeners remember the barcode battler do you remember the barcode battler i didn't even hear of it (laughs) <laughs> it was okay. You you can imagine it would look like the Sega Game Gear, or um, that probably be the best way of describing it. Or yeah, the Sega Game Gear that was slightly bigger than the Nintendo um, handheld device. Game Boy. Game Boy. Yes, that's that's what I was trying to think of. So slightly bigger than that, but. Down the bottom, it had a sliding device, which was an infrared, uh, to break it down technically. And you used to be able to pick up any barcode and scan it at the bottom. Now, it had no moving characters, but it had point system. So if you were playing a game of war against um, your opponent, which was the computer, um, you would collect points for the amount of fibers or something that might be in an ingredient let's say of let's cereal or something that will give you a special sword uh, i think the barco battler lasted about 12 months a year <laughs> and then flopped because <laughs> whether it was supposed to be educational or not i'm, I'm going to put the, some links up to the barco battler on our on our uh, show notes but that was the one gaming console that i think absolutely flopped 
Because uh, I was, because when you're talking about, I was actually the ones I would have taught you mentioned was the Sega, like it's like the Sega Saturn, and um, where Sega they Saturn. Oh my God, I where forgot. They, yeah, where they where they were trying to do bring it from a from a disc or from a cartridge to a disc, hmm. and it didn't quite catch on. But until um, I think it's probably Mega. Yeah, the, was it PlayStation were the ones that really yeah, and it got that going. Yeah. Um. And then the, X, the Xbox versus PlayStation. I, I, I think PlayStation still has a big following. Um, but having said that, it's sort of like the Android versus Apple uh, yeah. between Sega and, uh, or not Sega. Microsoft uh, is Microsoft Xbox. Yes, yeah. yeah, so Microsoft and Sony. Um, and is there room for Google to come in with Stadia? It's, it's, it's waits to be seen um, on the streaming. I, I think they're coming in too late on that, though. I think Microsoft are... Um, yeah. Unless it's a subscription service, like a Netflix subscription service, I think that's the only way it will become a big influencer. For all the gamers out there, uh, that was our take on, on gaming. Um, we, we're not gamers, so we can't really comment on it. We're just talking about our retro days well and the old Amstrad and Atari games game consoles especially the times where they used to be cassette tapes remember cassette tapes yeah Um, Yeah. we just lost uh, half our listeners talking about cassette tapes Um, but uh, for the dirty folk please please give us some feedback Samsung have introduced a new device which I I have I have to say I'm looking forward to seeing this at IFC 2020. Uh, I, at first, when I read this article, Simon, I thought, are they going after the barcode click share? And I'm thinking, God, how many people have to copy the barcode click share for barcode to come after them legally and go stop infringing on our copyright? But this is pretty cool. This is this is literally that a Samsung device, a smartphone owner, own, owners of Samsung can go up with a Samsung phone and if they're watching something, on their phone, tap it off the side of that Samsung screen, and it magically mirrors to it. I think that is fantastic. That's what people want. It's simplicity for the user, and that makes it just like idiot proof. Because I often think about things like your Google Home or your those ones say you're having a party, and there is a party mode. But imagine having a party mode where a person who has um, near field or something. They literally go up and tap the top of their phone off the Google Home, and then they can start sending music to it. They don't have to kind of connect your internet, connect your Wi-Fi, anything. That that near field connection alone just makes them be able to speak to each other. Now, I did I did mention ISE, and I, I when I I have I was mixed mind on this. Would this be more for a residential setting or? Can you see that this actually working in a business capacity where people are going up to the side of the, the TV and just going, boom, I want to show this video? I think it probably is more residential, but I could see some business people using it maybe in small offices. Mm. You know, I don't, I don't think in a large office it, it might, but then you're down to an ecosystem of everyone has to have a Samsung phone and they all have to be Samsung TVs. Yeah, some large companies that's often not the possibility to change all those two things at once. Like for us, we're a Sony and an iOS and an iPhone environment, so that's yeah. a massive change for for that company. So, so I think it's definitely for startups and small companies. I think for every company that might have this, the the risk of IT security and AV security comes into play where you can't just have someone walking through your building and go, I have a phone, I want to change, watch the video and and tap and go. But like you would be hoping there's some type of pin system that, mm. that can control this as well. Interesting though, um, and something that I will look out for at ISE. Hopefully, they will show that at ISE. Um, I, I'd say Samsung will have that on on um, on display. BBC iPlayer stops working on some Samsung TVs. Um, 
again, an interesting study. A software glitch is preventing the BBC's iPlayer streaming on service running on many smart TVs. This was on the 11th of December. Uh, affected owners may be advised to download a software update. Well, there you go. A software update, usually it's good to update your devices and hardware, keeping them up to date. But the patch does not work on some of the older models. We'll have to wait until the new year to get a separate fix. Um, the BBC had said it expects thousands, if not tens of thousands of screens to be unable to use this catch-up service over the Christmas as a consequence. Samsung said the problem has been caused by security certificates expiring on Sunday. And um, uh -huh. So that's an interesting one, because security is so important now that that you, you forget about these. I, I come across this and work regularly where you, you have to keep updating security certs for different things. So, um, but that's an interesting one. This becoming a topic of normal everyday life that everything has a certificate now, your website's a certificate and all like that. So it's uh, it's an interesting, but I wonder is it also a quick cop out just to say that? Because most people go, oh, okay, that's fine. Even though they're gonna suffer with no I play it for the whole Christmas. Now I have to say I will put again we'll put this up on the show notes. Samsung have been very clever with the the error message and said and it comes up in order to continue using BBC iPlayer, please ensure that your TV has been updated with the latest software. Now it can't be any more clear than than that. Apart like usual usual error message that we see is the BYOD, the blue screen of death. Yeah, exactly. B S O D, rather B S O D, a blue screen of death, and uh, usually an error code afterwards going, oh, error 2017. And, and you're like, what the hell? And uh, but Samsung, Cause it, yeah, because when you're actually reading that, I my first thing jumped to my head was who updates their software on their TV anyway. Probably not most of the normal Joe soaps out there don't bother. It's the people who needed something special for gaming or something special for who are cinema holics or who really are mad into certain things of their home of their TV. But really, the general everyday everyday person, I, I bet, never updates any software on their TV. Well, look, even on a residential capacity and having a smart TV at home, I never updated it once. And I go now. I never look to see if the uh, as the is there any updates for for the. I I think it should be automatic. Mm. I think most TVs should be automatic, or you're prompted to say there's an update. Do you wish us to update it tonight? Yeah. When you're asleep. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, and and surely uh, updates of this capacity they're not gigabytes worth of firmware updates that you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs for hours on end now i'm waiting for an av t technician to like come back on twitter or something going just are you mad this happens to me all the time you know but you know what <laughs> and it goes down the joe way uh route of av as a service must die that that's one of those calls where you just go god some some people might have contracts with companies that where the Luddite technology person sees this message up on their screen and goes, um, oh, my, it's not working anymore. And it takes an AV support call to call out to literally flash and update a, a screen, which might take five, ten minutes. Or maybe yeah, I'm, maybe I'm yeah. ignorant on this and just go, no, it, it, it's more problematic than that. Now, I would also see that, like, a lot of the TVs that I'm I'm using and seeing are Android-based TVs, mm. and of course, as Android updates its iOS and pushes out a new new letter, um, or update or you know version, the TVs also have to be updated. And as from a security point of view, we actually have to report back quarterly on the version we're on versus the version available, um, on our Android TVs. Have you ever seen any like really problematic things from updating the the screens? No, nope. it's actually it's actually the only problems we have with the TVs is end users trying to watch Netflix. <laughs> I, I I don't know how to comment on that. You know. Yeah. 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 Well, um, like it's just like having like I'm using a digital science piece of software. 
on an Amazon Fire Stick. And I think maybe once or twice during an auto update, it's it's gone back to the Amazon menu. But that's that's as much as it as happens um, with it, you know. But um, and it's it's under pin code. If they if someone was trying to hack into it and change uh, what's what's been displayed on screen, but I think a very simple way of doing digital signage. But again, the the updates take a couple of minutes. Like it's a, it it's not a big mm. update. So yeah, update your screens. That, that that's 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 our lesson on on that topic. Super though, Simon has has been banned this month in London. But despite being banned in London, they are offering all NHS staff, which is the UK uh, medical staff, uh, free trips over the festive period. And I was thinking, how does that work? Because aren't many of these uh, drivers, independent drivers, but between uh, the 23rd and the 27th uh, of December, staff can get two trips worth £10 for free, or turn they can up for two Uber Eat meals worth £10. Um, Uber's European boss, Jamie Hayward, says, we all know someone who works tirelessly over Christmas to keep the NHS running, and this is our way of saying thank you. So I guess the drivers just get the money either way, so it doesn't really make a difference to them, like if Uber's paying them or the customer's paying them. Yeah, exactly. So they're they're just they're just probably trying to give themselves more of a good publicity with people and no better people than with the doctors and nurses. They're mm. seen to be helping the health service and keeping it flowing when people want it. Yeah. Well, the most. So have you ever used an Uber? I've never used an Uber. No. And it's really funny because when my brother who lives in Chicago came to Ireland, he was like, because that's all he uses in Chicago is Ubers. He kind yeah. of like went, oh, um, there's no Ubers in Ireland. And there isn't really. The most oh. we got is our Free Now, which is the stupidest name ever for a taxi company. I'm sorry, yeah. and I'm probably going to be slammed for that one. No, no, I, no, as we said, we're two tech junkies from Ireland giving our opinion. I just think that's the most crazy name. It's like you have a taxi company that's called Free Now. So you get into the Like, I, I wonder how... They haven't been taken to court going, but your your name says free now and I got into your taxi and you're not free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> where I think it's think it's probably more oh where I'm free now to take your take you to wherever you want to go versus I'm actually offering this ride for free. But joking aside, and even if uh, we're on the verge of slander here and but they they actually joked in their own ads that they, this is the last time they're changing the name of their company. Uh, so it was My Taxi, and then before that it was Halo. Or is it the other way around? Halo and then My Taxi and then Free Now. But they've changed their names three times now at this stage, and I can't keep up. And um, But I, I have to say the, the concept of Free Now and being able to get into order taxi through an app and have not, not having to carry money with you and knowing you're a taxi driver is great. As is Uber and giving a lot of independent people jobs, but they have had been slammed and slammed in, in the media and especially in, in England with regards to risky drivers, registered drivers, insurance and then Uber Eats as well have have been slammed as well through uh, English programs. So is there actually Uber in Ireland? That's something I actually don't know. Because there's Uber Eats, because I've, 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 we've got yeah. publicity on it. I don't think there's Uber taxi drivers, Uber drivers. Uh, I haven't ever heard of Uber drivers in Ireland. And um, what, would you want to be one? <laughs> It's the question. Yeah, that's you know, um, like there was there was a program on English television about the Uber Eats and the cyclists and their very very simple training course of becoming an Uber Eats delivery person, uh, especially cyclists. 
like literally have you got a bike yes um take the following boxes online okay here's your here's your bag and off you go and but they were saying that i i guess a lot of these cyclists work on commission they were saying that that they could be cycling to a certain destination but if someone else is nearby they can take the order beforehand i think which makes them all lose out I, that's what i got from the program maybe i'm totally mm. wrong that, but um minimum wage and a lot of these cyclists putting their lives at risk like breaking lights and, and so forth like there's no health and safety yeah, and I've just been reminded that um, Uber is in Ireland. Is, is Uber um, in Ireland? Okay. It, so, now we know their call centre is in Ireland, so um, does that mean they're actually here? I, I would hope so, presume. Okay, listeners, mm, we're going to talk to all our Irish listeners here. Is Uber in Ireland? Apart from Uber Eats, um, we, we don't know. We're going to try and find out the answer of that uh, for our next program and um, simon are you going to ISE or are you still toying on the idea yeah i've committed to signing up for it and uh and so that's my first step of going i uh, saying i'm going i would like to go um being it's the last year in amsterdam yeah I part think, of it i think there's, yes. it's going to go out with a bang from amsterdam yeah and also it's just to see what else is actually coming up and um, I'm kind of thinking more future at the moment and what's the next um, big thing? Is it um, AR going to really or VR going to take off a little bit more or is it going to be more collaboration stuff? Is it about maybe in room, in meeting room collaboration? I think um, are people trying to do things simpler, cheaper um, and make it more user focused versus complex and hard for um for them to use so i don't really know i'm kind of thinking and fishing around and it's it all really depends on work of course and what what else is um i can um what else is the next project down the line to be working on i think it's going to be more about voice control i think as you say metering voice control a or B or, and I think I think people have got to say to going, wow, it's a new TV. It's eight K, sixteen K, thirty two. Like pixel size of a TV now is 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 irrelevant when it comes to setting up and installations in in buildings, unless you are doing a big LED wall or something like that, and. Um, I think it's irrelevant. I think people want the collaboration, as, as you mentioned, and make it easier, straightforward for the for the end user. Yeah, and I think that's just it. Like uh, I know for for us, probably voice control is probably not going to be a popular thing because it introduces a lot more security stuff. But I do understand certain places that would be very popular. And I, I think. Um, I think the likes of uh, Sennheiser and Sure are going to bring out more and more radio mics that and ceiling microphones and stuff like that. That it's it's more simple to install, um, and more dynamic and will will spread over a, a larger area. That's that's yeah. probably yeah. my predictions of ISE for next year. And also, kind of like I'm thinking along the lines of like, well, the stuff I do have installed. What are they going to bring out in firmware updates to make it then better without me having to buy more hardware? Um, and especially what's Crestron doing in this space and in terms of are they adding new features or is there something new while wow going into their whole you um, see kind of the unified communications part that they launched last year with their sound bars and the Mercury units and all that stuff. So it's yeah, I'm just curious more than anything. And uh, looking forward to seeing what Crestron brings out. And, and uh, but I, I hope to attend in some way, shape, or form um, with the higher ed uh, hat on on with me um, and attend the Evixa higher ed conference. I did some great training uh, 
days going on. There's a full uh, VR and AR day as well that I I would be keen to to see over at ISC. And of course, like networking and and team. yeah, and of course, like because I'm actually even even recently in just general networking with people, I've started to see a big rise in interest in CTS. Yes, in Ireland, there yes. seems to be all of a sudden it's caught on here as as a standard. You hear more and more people talking about VIXA qualifications and VIXA training. So yep. I'm starting to see that with even people who are just graduates out of um, college, of audiovisual college, are already jumping on this kind of going, oh, this is good for the CD. Asking me, um, uh, uh, someone who's been doing this a little while, longer than them, okay. and uh, and I still haven't done my CTS, and I'm sitting there going, you should do it. Do it while you have time. Do it while you have time. Don't get to where I am, where I'm struggling against time to do it. Well, Christmas is coming, so it gives you a bit of time to, to open the book. Well, that's, that's what I keep on telling myself as uh, baby number two was in the house and, and uh, being looked after by mommy at the moment, and I keep on saying that I'm going to crack open, and you know what? It's actually in my office. Look, Look, for all the all you AV people out there, it is in the office, the CTSI. I'm going to try and actually get my head around the CTSI book over this break that I have from work. Uh, yeah, no, I would love to. No, I have the, I have mine on my desk in work too for my just straightforward CTS, which I think is becoming um, even awareness of, from my management that this is something I need to be working towards. So hopefully they'll give me time as well during this 2020 to work on yeah, um, I, I just renewed my CTS the other day. Um, so I, I had a ridiculous amount of renewal units uh, from attending webinars and courses and stuff like that. That I, I thought to myself, can I just spread over these renewal units for the next like 15 years and just like sign me off on a contract <laughs> that I, I'm up to speed? But it, it doesn't, unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. But um, I, I have sometimes 60 units when you only need 15 or 18 units uh, over three years. But uh, yeah, so signed off again for another three years. So uh, so I think the next step is trying to get the CTSI because as Simon said, yeah, it's getting really popular now all of a sudden. Um, I was one of six and I think it's now up to one of 10 or 11 that of CTS holders now in Ireland. So Simon, is it's the next one that I'm going to like <laughs> and, told and get him to actually do this um, listeners, and uh, and and give him some support over the Christmas period of doing so. Um, so we we have a load of uh, comms that we want you to, to come back to us on of your best gaming console, your worst gaming console, the one that really flopped um, find out that is uh, Uber still in Ireland in some way and have you ever used it and um, what was the other couple of, of things? Oh, the uh, how money is spent badly in in a in AB or technology, for example, the the printers uh, that's being used by the Irish government. And uh, could could you justify if you were um, tendering on such an operation of the costs involved of that uh, before telling them that like the project is really dead in the water? Would you actually go out and seek the project? Um, I think a bit of ethics come to come to mind on that. But, but for me, Justin Dawson, and from Simon, who is looking forward to getting his Christmas break. I'm already on my Christmas break, and like I've been on my Christmas parental break leave since uh, November. So I'm 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 just like rubbing that in. In uh, <laughs> I have I've I've another five days. None of that's all I'm counting. Five more days. Yeah. Five more days. So Simon is actually playing Christmas FM in, in work. Oh um, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> just annoy people. Has, has the Christmas party taken place, Simon? Yet? No. No, that, that's later in this week. So that's another. That's going to make the last day very interesting when everyone is on Christmas party the night before. Oh yeah. So yeah. So hopefully, being leaving work early and and not having to worry about any of the order. I, I hope you have a good person to cover you over your Christmas break. Yeah, and, uh, I have um, I have a whole team to cover me, so it's great. I'm actually free to just do nothing and turn the phone off. And that's the proper way. Um, but hopefully, if you are getting any cool tech toys, um, 
or what do you think about children reviewing unboxing of um of toys we love to hear your views on that visit our website www.allthingstech.ie or you can tweet simon at simon line ab and uh during the tweets to simon at simon line ab be pushing him hard to do a cts uh, uh, message, uh, peer, pressure, peer pressure, peer pressure, peer pressure, peer pressure. You know, nothing better than peer pressure. Um, or, or just throw like some really random CTS questions at Simon and see is he able to answer them? Um, is is the best way of getting him to study? So he opens the book. Um, but for me, Justin Dawson and from Simon, I I think it's it's good to say that we won't have a show before Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everyone. Hope Santa yeah. come to. To you um, and actually one thing that we want as an uh, answers on a postcard or emails or tweets is how competitive are you with your christmas light and christmas decorations as if you're in the audience <laughs> i want to see photos and so we're going to start a hashtag called ab christmas time and so, or maybe we'll put it as ab technician at christmas and see what are the most bizarre Christmas decorations that an AV technician can come up with around the house. I think that's. Right. I think we can get this trending, Simon. On, on this, this would be a brilliant one. This would be, yeah, because I think there'd be a few of our friends in America who would be very um, competitive in this space. Well, see, like my competitiveness, like was trying to keep up with the Joneses and just like put them all to shame because I have some IT technicians on the street, and then at Halloween I decided to do a full projection uh, in my front rear projection um, it, on the front of my house, and um, with Halloween and ghosts, and and this time, and I now I've only done it once because it takes up my living room with the rear projection. I um, projected like Santa's elves in the workshop and I have one for Christmas Eve. So Christmas Eve from about 5 p.m. I'm going to put on Santa like getting on the sleigh and all the boys and girls on the street are going to go to bed early, I hope. Or either that or I'm going to get a lot of knocks on the door from neighbours going, can you turn that off? Because everyone thinks that Santa is actually in your house. So <laughs> we, we want to hear about what like lights and stuff that you have put up and it's not even keeping up with the joneses and we're not putting it as a competition we just want to see av technician at christmas is going to be the hashtag we're going to get this trending on online and um, so that on that note have a great christmas <laughs> and, uh, yeah yeah and thank you to all our listeners for the last 19 18 podcasts yes and we're going to make it by 20 podcasts uh, in the new year Definitely are. We're not going to stop going. In in March we'd be a year old, so uh, we have to pass the twenty mark uh, before March. The All Things Techie Podcast is a product of the Extreme Media Network. For advertising and sponsorship opportunities, please visit www.extrememedia.ie. That's X T R E M E Media.ie.